We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live Sunday morning ahead of free agency. It's going to be a, a great couple of days. Cannot wait to see how it unfolds. And we will have you covered for all of it over the next uh, week or so. So as always, my name is Steven. I am your host. And joining me to talk about this upcoming free agency pe- period are Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Uh, we started very, very well last week with that Khalil Mack trade. We're kind of at a almost down here at a low, but tomorrow should bring us back up with some sort of big move, I think. So uh, hoping for something big. Hopefully we get one more awesome move. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll get a, we'll get a couple big swings on there, depending on really how you define big names and all that. But uh, I think we'll get a couple big swings. Uh, man, Alex been having a, a great couple weeks. We get the Khalil Mack trade, James Harden, Carson Wentz. And then we get Brandon Staley talking about his all-time favorite athlete, Rafa Nadal. So, Alex, how you doing, man? <laughs> it was so weird because I just stared at my phone. And I, because usually I see like tennis journalists in my notifications tweeting about Nadal. And I see the Chargers Twitter account tweet at <laughs> Rafa Nadal. I'm like, what the hell is this? And it was like, it was like, what, 10, 11 p.m. last night? Yeah. And I just watched it. And I was like, oh, wow. And then I saw a picture of them together. And I'm like, this is really cool. So I had to wear the Spain shirt for for uh, for Nadal today and Staley, but that was a great crossover. Happy happy Justin and Derwin had fun at the match too. But <laughs> yeah, I saw um, somebody had had tagged um, one of the around the around the football podcast guys saying that Justin and Derwin were there watching doubles or something like that. So uh, you know, educating themselves on some tennis. I know Justin's a big golf guy. I wonder if he's a big tennis guy too. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be fun to see. If we ever get Staley on the podcast, God forbid, we're going to talk about Nadal for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, someone, uh, someone find out if Justin's a big tennis guy, because I think the idea of a 6'6", 250-pound quarterback playing tennis is kind of funny to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll talk about uh, a bunch of free agency rumors and predictions today. So it's going to be a really fun episode. Um, wanted to start the show on the latest in terms of the Chargers journey for finding an, a defensive tackle so uh, a couple days ago you know there were rumblings that the eagles alex's eagles were 
uh, trying to trade Fletcher Cox. And, you know, we were kind of trying to connect the dots. And then uh, Mr. Schultz over there uh, connected them to the Chargers. So um, figured I we, we would discuss this today and specifically asking Alex here, how realistic do you think it is that the Eagles do trade Fletcher Cox? And really, do you think he has anything left in the tank? Oh, I mean, they're trading him, I think, 100%. Uh, they were going to do it at the deadline last year, and then they didn't. Uh, but to me, it just makes too much sense. Um, it's weird to say that it makes too much sense, and they absorb like a $30 million cap hit or something. <laughs> on but the they don't cap. care about dead cap, yeah, man. They, that's they the thing. Like, pe people kept bringing up the dead cap. I'm like, they took 33 million dead cap from Carson Wentz last year just to get him off the team. Just to get a first-round pick to get them on the team, they were willing to absorb that. Um, and they already have dead cap from Malik Jackson and Ertz, so they'll just pile it on and give us future picks, right? And that's kind of like how their team is built. They're paying like five guys over $10 million, and then everybody else is, you know, Hertz, uh, Devonta Smith, you know, kind of salaries where they're on those rookie contracts. So, um, I, you know, I don't think they mind that. As far as what the compensation would be, I would guess like a third or fourth-round pick, but I don't know um in terms of what it would be there would have to consult someone who has better knowledge of that but when i saw that they could get the cap hit down to 5.3 um in that tweet from i think a guy over at spot track i just thought that that made a lot of sense and that made me think about it first and then sean phillips was like oh i've been hearing about this and then you yeah. get the schultz thing so uh i just thought it was interesting I, as far as how much he has left in the tank i mean i don't know if he like I think he can still play a very serviceable level of football. 2021 was down from where it was in 2020. But to me, you're getting him on an expiring deal anyway. He's probably not going to be here for the long term. So really, you're just getting, you know, probably the last, you know, prime year of Fletcher Cox, if you will. Uh, and so for me, I, I would kind of swing that trade. But that depends if they want to go after Hicks or Sebastian Joseph Day and, and what their other plans are as well. But when I saw that they could get that number down, uh, it just made a lot of sense to me that they would be in on that. I do probably think he ultimately goes to another team, though. Yeah, I um, first of all, in, in terms of his ability and, you know, there's a super check uh, from theory. We'll get to that in a second about some uh, restructurings. But, you know, in terms of Fletcher Cox's ability, like his numbers were down a little bit last year for sure. But there was also a point where, you know, there, he was having a, a tough time in the defense in terms of figuring out his role and what uh, Jonathan Gannon really wanted him to do and was hoping for him to be able to be more aggressive. And then I think after the trade deadline passed, that was able to happen. He had a, a good down the stretch of the season for the Eagles. So I think he still has some left in the take. Obviously, I don't think he's, you know, 2018, 2019 Fletcher Cox, where he's just this complete game wrecker. But you know, I, I, you know, I tweeted this out, but I think people kind of have to understand in terms of these pass rushing defensive tackles, like all of their production is going to be up from where it was, you know, whether it's Akeem Hicks, whether even it's, if it's Sebastian Joseph Day, Fletcher Cox, whoever, because of the attention that Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack are going to get from these teams, they're all going to be more productive. So if Fletcher Cox were, were, the, were the choice, right, you know, I wouldn't be too surprised if he came in and had you know, 50 total pressures, eight, nine sacks, and had a really good resurgent season for the Chargers. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. The compensation and what the Eagles end up taking on is definitely going to swing things. If the Chargers get like a $5.3 million cap hit this year, like Spotrack, Spotrack, however you say it, um, Arjun is not a fan of them. It's more over the cap, and they don't tend to use them because <laughs> they tend to be a bit off. Um, so how it actually works out, I don't know. To me, you're just... You, you went for Khalil Mack, who's got injury concerns, and he's slightly older. Joey Bosa, he's not old, but he's not exactly 22. 
to me, even with the production, going out and getting Fletcher Cox and spending, you know, probably a good pick on him. It sounds like if the Eagles are going to absorb so much of the cap hit or the dead cap or whatever, it sounds like they want big compensation. I think that's what Schultz said. Uh, to me, that's like second round pick, maybe even next year's first round pick, you know, kick that first round pick down the line or something. I hopefully not. But, you know, I just worry that this team is going to be too old, too top heavy and forget that they also need to, you know, have 53 people on the roster. Like we've always been saying, like the, the best 15 players on this roster can kick the shit out of anybody else. But when it comes to time to face the Houston Texans and you're down most of your starters, you lose like you just are out of players. Now, I think the Chargers will be much better this year than losing to the Texans. Cross my fingers. But I would rather they go younger with Sebastian Joseph Day um, or at least cheaper in terms of total compensation with Akeem Hicks and find ways to to acquire more players because they're just they're going to be a very strong top heavy team. It seems like this year. But they still have a lot of depth to have to turn through. And I really think they could make a big push this year, but they also need to get to next year as well and the following year. And I just I worry about them giving too much up for a player that's just a bit older. When you like you said, you can probably get players that are going to have career years next to Bosa and with um, Khalil Max. Sorry, I forgot his name. So surprising. Uh, so I think you could I'd rather go a route where you sort of manage the interior of the defensive line with some lower sort of cost options that are maybe sure. not as old and make it work like that yeah so schultz uh his exact phrasing that he used for the compensation was significant um so i doubt it's a first or second round pick um you know given fletcher cox's age and uh you know alex mentioned his his cap hit his expiring contract I feel like you're looking at a day three pick. Uh, personally, I'd be pretty surprised if it were a top three pick, in in my opinion. Yeah, is it I, I, significant. Yeah, I, I, well, but what's I don't know. I don't think no one's going to give up a first round pick for Fletcher Cox. First round pick on an expire on expiring deal like that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know, a significant could be like a day two pick. But, you know, yes, yeah. they don't have that anymore this year unless they want to trade the round three one two and just go full full less need. Uh, but <laughs> I, I to me, I it sounds like it would be a third or a fourth. I mean, people are going to say that it's going to be 40 million uh, and that's what the Eagles are going to take on. But like their whole thing is we're just going to get picks and stack rookie contracts. Right. So the reason that Wentz was different is because he plays quarterback, you know, and that's when they traded him, got a first round pick for him. Um, but to me, I mean, Cox is kind of going to get a contract next year with some other team so you're either dealing them now or you're getting nothing for them um so to me i, I even if, if it means significant maybe it's like two day three picks something like that which you know i could also see why people would be against that um i'm not for it or against it i would be excited if it happened but you know i definitely get the idea of going younger with a sebastian joseph day uh, and getting some guy I, I do think that when it comes to age and people talk about this with akeem hicks too like, I guess the age part of it doesn't matter as much to me because, you know, Telesco's really made his intentions clear. We're just getting one of these guys, you know, for one to three year kind of length time period for these defensive tackles. Uh, and they're going to play next to Mac and Bosa, you know, during this window. But you're also not going to probably sign a guy to like a four year deal or, you know, really develop a defensive tackle for the long term here. Uh, so that's why, to me, age isn't as much of a concern when it comes to Hicks and Cox. I guess you can talk about that uh with you know the general decline but to me to me those guys at least have two years of like good production left in the tank uh, uh when i look at both of them 
Yeah, I definitely think they have good production. And to me, the thing about Hicks, if there is a concern, it's the injuries that he's kind of yeah. battled through. And again, you know, I, I kind of expect that signing to happen. But, you know, Fletcher Cox has missed three games since 2013. Like Fletcher yeah. Cox is as durable and dependent as they come. And, you know, of course, I tweeted that out yesterday and somebody was like, oh, Chris Harris never missed any games. It's like you, you really never know what these players once they hit 30. But I mean, Fletcher Cox's resume says he hasn't missed. He's missed three games since 2013. And and so I do, I do think that matters. And it's not like this is going to be the only defensive tackle that they pursue as one of these older guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you could still get a younger player in there. Jerry Taylor is still young. And then I think you probably are looking at a draft pick of some kind. And mm-hmm. to kind of round out the group. So it's not like they're going to get three super old defensive tackles and, and you know, run it back that way. Like right. there's going to be youth in the, in, on the interior as well. Yeah. And I, I just think in terms of the compensation as well, <laughs> Thomas Parts is that in the chat. Cowboys got a fifth for Amari Cooper yesterday. And I, <laughs> I would personally pay a lot more. It was a pick swap too. Yeah. A, a pick swap. Right. <laughs> so if we're talking about significant compensation for Fletcher Cox, maybe Howie Roseman can move a few things, but I, I don't think that he's really going to snag uh, even a day two pick for him. I, I think it's more than likely going to be some kind of combination of day three picks or whatever. Um, I, I just think with a guy left on a one-year deal, you're you're not going to get much for him like we saw with the Cowboys yesterday because they threatened to cut Amari Cooper and then were surprised that they had no leverage in a trade for Amari <laughs> Cooper, um, which congrats to Stephen Jones. Uh, really, really nailing it there. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm not, a, you know, I think DJ Jones is another good option. I do ultimately do think they go the free agency route as opposed to, you know, another big trade. If it is a big trade, I would expect it to be in the secondary, like, you know, has kind of been reported. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't mind, uh, Cox and all, of course. <laughs> Fuck shit. Damn it. Oh, oh, oh. Oh no! It's okay. Oh, I no. mean, it's his. It's his oh. name. It's his name. Oh, like, stepped in it. Stepped in it again. You're good. It's his name, and it's whatever. You know. Um. <laughs> you know. It's, what about uh, Cox at all? <laughs> um. Yeah. I. I think the takeaway here, in terms of them being linked to Mr. Fletcher, is that they're really exploring all avenues at the defensive tackle position, and I think that is can also be said about the cornerback position too. So, um. You know, I do expect them to make a a bigger move at the defensive tackle position, whether that's um, trading for Fletcher or signing Sebastian Joseph Day. I think Fuller Runzu Fatukasi is an interesting one too. Um. I think it was Jeremy Fowler was reporting that he was going to have a strong market despite not really having a ton of social media buzz. And, you know, it's really funny. Like I'm, I'm, I follow a lot of like, you know, Broncos people and Raiders people, of course. And like all of us have the same free agency targets. Like all of us want them, our respective teams to sign Sebastian Joseph day or Fatu Kasi or somebody. Um, So it's going to be really interesting to see, but I do expect them um, to really go after, a, a run stuffing defensive tackle and, and maybe a expensive run stuffing defensive tackle. Nah, I'm still stuck on the Alex thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you can let all your jokes flow, man. I mean, I really put myself in that position, but uh, yeah, I, I feel like maybe we should move on from defensive tackle talk. Do we get, do we want to talk about the corner? We're going to spend $80 billion on. <laughs> yeah, so we can move on to the corner stuff. I think there's been 
a ton of smoke more so than uh since the days have passed since our last episode between the chargers and jc jackson um i do want to clarify that tweet that i sent out yesterday of that article was that article was specifically from a former agent saying what he as an agent would ask as jc jackson's representative uh, i don't think his actual market is going to be 22 million dollars but uh we'll see so like I said, there has been a lot more smoke recently between the two. Apparently, somebody had a little bit of a conspiracy theory run and found out that some guy was at the Bahamas with J.C. Jackson and J.C. Jackson supposedly told him that he was going to be a charger. I don't believe that at all for a second, but uh, it, there is a ton of smoke. I think for me personally, with the with the J.C. Jackson thing, I, right now it feels kind of Brian dable Tom Brady-ish, like kind of too good to be true with with all of the the people saying that it's going to happen. Maybe that's just me kind of overthinking it. I, I think JC Jackson is a great player. I would be in favor of the signing. I'm just, I'm just kind of skeptical right now of, of everything coming out and, and so many people saying, Hey, chargers, Hey, JC Jackson, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I'm just a little skeptical right now that it actually happens. Uh, Yeah. First of all, everyone who keeps messaging me, tell me if it's JC Jackson, I don't know. And stop messaging me. I won't tell you anyway. <laughs> um, even if I knew, I don't, but I, I think like who is it? Charverius Ward? Like they're going to go after a corner. Like to me, you know, everything that I gathered yesterday is that, you know, multiple people tell this one person that it sounds like a, a, he said, she said, um, they're going after someone in the secondary and that person's going to get a bag. They've always wanted to add a corner. That wasn't a doubt, but they were possibly going to draft one at 17 or sign one in free agency. Then you do the Khalil Mack trade, which means, okay, now we should focus on our back end and our secondary. Then the, the Broncos trade for um, Russell Wilson. And so now it's like, okay, we should probably go get our corner right now. So, like, I, I just think that who – I don't know who else would be the player that's a big name in the secondary getting a bag, unless it's Charvarius Ward or maybe it's Darius Williams. I just – it's – all the signs to me point to J.C. Jackson. And whereas Brian Dable was kind of what we wanted and then what Adam Schefter tweeted – I feel like everything that we've like actually like figured out and gathered and everything that's pointing to this makes more sense than Dable to the Chargers and just like, oh, Schefter tweeted it. And maybe there were other people guessing it as well. But it just, this just feels stronger. This feels more legitimate. And no one was telling us about, you know, Dable last year. Whereas I feel like this year. That's true. The, it, people are pointing to JC like we didn't have this information last year. And the, the, the idea that someone's going to get it back in the secondary, whoever it is, like it, it really does sound like it's JC Jackson. Like, I don't know who it is, but it sounds like it's JC Jackson to me. Yeah. It, it's a little bit weird because, and maybe this is our own bias in the, the Twitter sphere that we live in, but I really haven't heard like another team in on JC Jackson at all. Like it just There's feels been a like a little bit of kinda, Raiders talk, but not yeah, much. Maybe, maybe a little bit of Raiders, but it's really just been, oh, well, he's splitting and he's leaving. And it seems like the only team that's consistently come up in all these reports is is the Chargers, which which is a little bit weird. Um, I don't know what to think about the Dable thing. And that, that kind of does give me some pause because usually when we hear like blockbuster things about the Chargers, it's just like, oh, this blockbuster thing happened and it's done now. Right. Like when Brandon Staley was hired, uh, like when Khalil Mack was traded. Uh, it, it just they it just happens uh, and there's usually no very little buzz about it. Um, you know, I wouldn't go as far as the Chargers don't leak things at all, 
but uh, they generally are pretty tight-lipped on this stuff. So it, it is weird that so many Jackson reports have gotten out. Maybe that's just, you know, his agent kind of doing some, you know, work for him. <laughs> that could obviously be the case. That could obviously be Tom Telesco or someone within the Chargers. But to me, I, I do think it's a little weird that we've heard this much about him. But maybe there is also some, you know, ammunition for the Chargers kind of trying to push his market up and then go after a Ward or a Gilmore instead. I don't know. Yeah, in terms of it being a big name, like I think it, it, that means J.C. Jackson or Stephon Gilmore. I don't think like I think Charvarius Ward is a really like underrated, promising corner, and I think Carlton Davis is in that conversation as well. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily classify them as big names, and I mean maybe the the source here does, but that's just kind of how I interpret it. So like when I heard big name in the back end, and my my mind went to J.C. Jackson or Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, I could see that. Shoot, someone wrote something in. I missed. I was gonna answer the question. Never mind. I can't find it. Uh, the thing is, like, they with defensive tackle as well. That's why we started with it too. Like, they have Jerry Tillery, Brandon Fajoko, and Sergio Gaziano. Like, they're gonna add a defensive tackle because that's all they yeah. have. Even or if they just bring back Justin Jones, I guess. Same thing with corner. They have like two corners. They have two sort of starting corners, and Staley basically admitted that Davis is not a starting corner. Like. It's going to be somebody. It's going to be one of these bigger name CB1, perceived CB1s. So we'll see. Yeah. That's something that I wanted to address as well before we get to uh, Theory's question about restructuring. Um, a lot of people have said like, oh, like we're moving Asante to the slot. Like that's going to devalue him or like you're worried about his long-term role. I think the person who kind of gets devalued, like Tyler's alluding here, is Michael Davis. So I think you know, the, the Chargers are going to play a lot of nickel, so they're going to have three corners on the field. But I think we'll see a very similar role as to what Chris Harris was doing when he was healthy in that he, in base packages, is going to be the outside corner. And then in nickel packages, you bring Davis off the bench and Asante moves to the slot. So Asante is going to be their starter. They really like him. They really like his ability. He showed that he can be productive. Like Asante is going to be a starter. I think the player who kind of moves into a supporting role is Davis because I just, it doesn't really sound like Staley has a ton of faith in him in terms of his ability right now. And at some point, the whole like developmental potential thing kind of goes away. Like he's going to be 27 by the start of football season, I think. So um, I'm not worried about Asante Samuels Jr.'s role at all. He's going to be a starter, he's going to play as many snaps as he can possibly handle. Um, so just wanted to get that out there. The only people I was told the only people that are safe in the secondary are Derwin James and Asante Samuel Jr. That's it. So we'll we'll see. You know, obviously if you're drafted, you, you probably hold more weight there, of course, but those are the only two guys that are safe. Yeah, and I would just say they built that Michael Davis contract that way for a reason. I mean, it was yeah. really a two-year deal that in the third year, um, just looking it up right now. But they basically save seven million by cutting him, like we talked about earlier this off season. So uh, you know, this is of course after 2022. But you know, yeah. that kind of showed you the confidence they have in him. It's like, okay, well, you can be our stopgap guy for one or two years, and we'll see if you develop. And you know, if you can become a true CB one, they gave him that opportunity. And it's pretty clear that we're yeah. in a different spot with all these JC Jackson rumors or getting a cornerback in the draft, whatever it is. Um, they, you know, they don't see Michael Davis as a true CB1. But, you know, if you do get a JC Jackson, can Michael Davis be your CB2 for a year? Sure. 
right? Like I'm, I'm fine with that and moving Asante Samuel Jr. to the slot uh, in general, and it would make their depth seem better at cornerback if you do get a real top-end starter, whether that's in the draft or in free agency. Uh, so for me, yeah, it, it was always just th- that was kind of how they valued him. And a lot of people, you know, we did do a little bit of like CB1 hype at the time because 2020 was such a great year for Michael Davis. Um, yeah. But, you know, 2021 was what it was, you know, did have some injuries. Uh, but but he kind of showed you what his ceiling, I think, as a corner is. And so, you know, that's a very good CB2. I, you know, I wouldn't mind having him. But, um, yeah, I think that the Chargers with that contract showed you how they valued their guys, just like they did with Mike Williams this week, just like they've every other contract. Right. Um, if they give a guy a contract, then that's how they see him. And so the, the cap hits worked out to the point where they can cut him next year. Uh, and so that's that's why I think Michael Davis is just kind of on the outside looking in long term. Yeah. yeah and most... so, go ahead, Tyler. No, just last thing for me from JC about JC Jackson, if it's JC Jackson and the pitch for him is that, you know, the Chargers, so Derwin James, Nasir Adderley, Michael Davis, and Asante Samuel Jr., I think they totaled five interceptions last year. JC Jackson, eight last year, I think 22 over the last three years. I just think when you look at the problems of this team, what's the biggest issue? I mean, there's issues on offense, but the biggest issue on offense was kind of just the defense. You know, the Chargers <laughs> being second in points per drive and yards per game. I think they were end up fifth in points per game. But, you know, some of the guys that were ahead of them, like the Cowboys and the Buccaneers, they had 20 more drives on the season because yeah. their defense just kind of took some took some things away. And you look at the Bengals and the way they were able to advance in the postseason. It wasn't really because of Joe Burrow and the offense. It was the defense taking the ball away. I think they had like six interceptions that ended up on like the opposing side territory, whatever it was. I think the Chargers are looking for that. So J.C. Jackson with those interceptions, they just brought in Khalil Mack. They had Joey Bosa. Khalil Mack had a set a record for his career high in strip sacks with Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley comes in with Joey Bosa. What does he do? Set a career high in strip sacks. Now you have J.C. Jackson who can get you seven, eight picks a year. Two guys that had career years in strip sacks under you know Brandon Staley. Now you pair them together. You kind of keep this offense intact. You just give them half a drive more per game. And I think you could get so much better like that. So that's like the last pitch I would have for J.C. Jackson. I think that's I think those turnovers in particular are worth it for them. Yeah, I was reading uh, someone uh, shared an article with me written by a, a New England beat writer of like why the Patriots aren't in on bringing J.C. Jackson back. And it was like, well, he gave up eight touchdowns last year. And it was like, OK, but he had eight interceptions like. You know, people were shitting on Trayvon Diggs all year because he was giving up a lot of yards. But it's like, you got nine interceptions. Like, I'll take that any day of the week. Like, I think, you know, in this specific scheme, you know, whoever they get at corner is going to have more help. You know, um, that's kind of been my thing with Charvarius Ward, who's been very productive and, and kind of been a, an underrated player in Kansas City. Like, that man is on an island all game long for the Chiefs because Steve Smagol loves to blitz and and send eight guys to the quarterback. So, you know, whoever they get at corner is going to have more help. It's going to give them more opportunities. And I do think that there's going to be some positive regression there. Like Derwin James dropped like three gimme interceptions. Like that's not going to happen again next year. But, you know, taking that and just saying like, instead of relying on that, we're just going to go out and solve that by getting a JC Jackson, I, I think makes a lot of sense. Just like adding Cleo Mack does. So um, of course they're focused in on, you know, stopping the run and getting better like that. But, to me, like th- if they do sign J.C. Jackson, to me, it sounds like the prior the first priority was getting more turnovers and getting him and getting Khalil Mack on the same team. 
Absolutely. So just what, sorry, last thing, because Arjun sent, or he tweeted out the protect the contract for JC Jackson that he's predicting. And obviously Arjun seems to know what he's talking about. Um, so he currently has it at four years, 74 million with a cap hit the first two years, 2022 being 14 million, the following year being 16 and then 21 and 23 after that. So it's going to be a big number. Just like Mike, just like Mike Williams, but the yeah. way it's structured, I think will matter most. So he has him about $15 million APY over the next two seasons in terms of cap hit. And then as far as the guarantees go, no guarantees after the second year of the contract. So it's really like a two-year, $30 million deal, and it'll escalate in the future, but no guarantees after the third, after the second year. Yeah, so like you, like you said, that's a very similar structure to Mike Williams' contract. That's really how the Chargers just do business. Like, uh, you know, they're so smart with manipulating the cap that way and, you know, saving themselves and putting in escape hatches. So um, I, I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. So I wanted to get to... Uh, theory super chat question here. Um, as always, uh, we do really appreciate all of the super chat questions. Um, he says, any chance we restructure Bosa and Allen for more cap savings this year? So uh, according to over the cap, if the Chargers wanted to uh, restructure Joey Bosa's contract, this would be a max restructure. Uh, they would free up $15 million in cap space. Keenan Allen doing the exact same thing would be $10.2 million in cap space. They could do some other thing, other restructuring as well. Um, like restructuring Austin Eckler would save $2.3 million. Restructuring Matt Filer would be $2.3 million. So they can free up some money if they wanted to restructure Michael Davis. I feel like it, that would kind of be a, a moot point since you're probably considering cutting him next year. That's another $3 million. So if the Chargers wanted to do something like this, they certainly have the, the path to go out and do it. They've just never really done it with their star players. Like in terms of restructuring, it's been like Denzel Perryman, um, Eddie Royal, Travis Benjamin, like players who are more in the supporting roles. And so I think the chances of them restructuring specifically Bosa and Allen is low, but I think we could see them restructure somebody in the supporting levels, you know, like a Matt Filer kind of thing instead. Yeah, I, I don't think there will be much restructuring to do. And also the Chargers have never like really had to restructure, I guess, in the modern Telesco era. Because like when Rivers got that contract extension in 2015, that was like big money at the time. But, you know, while quarterbacks were getting 40 million, then he was still on 22. Right. Um, so they didn't really ever have to restructure much there. Uh, now Justin Herbert's on a rookie deal. So I, I think it's much like Arjun says, they're not going to restructure until they have to. Uh, and Allen's contract ends the year that they have to pay uh, Herbert Bosa's is one year into Herbert's new deal. So, yeah. you know, I, I really don't think they're going to restructure until they have to. Like, yeah, $25 million would be fun to play with this offseason, but they also have enough money to the point where they can do things this season past signing JC Jackson. They can they can go further than that if they want. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think it was going to happen. I do want to mention uh, thank you to Brett, uh, who has already clipped out the Cox clip and put it on Twitter. Thank you. <laughs> someone already did that <laughs> did they really good job whoever that is i'm gonna give you a follow for sure we'll send you a free manscaped t-shirt or something Wait, is that uh, uh brett it was both brett? It, it was brett brett Very our nice. brett that's done the graphics okay cool yeah graphics we got to pay for but cox clip outs those are free those are on the house <laughs> uh, thanks a lot brett uh i i completely agree with you guys and honestly i just defer to arjun in this case if it doesn't seem like the charges are going to restructure and frankly it might not even be the best idea for them to restructure it's not as simple as restructuring everyone and paying everyone only five million like rj yeah. seems to lay it out where it's just 
not really what they're going to do. So I, I defer to him in that case. And if he doesn't think they're going to do it, I don't think they're going to do it. Yeah, for what it's worth, I think this is a good point by Kevin Kernick. Bosa would be the only one to restructure. You have no problem paying Joey down the line. He's a cornerstone. Keen's getting older, no long-term commitment. So I, I, I do think that's fair. Like if they wanted to restructure Joey Bosa, um, you know, I think from a player perspective, some of them seem to like that, right? Like, you, you know, you get a lot more money up front and then your game checks are just significantly smaller. So um, they could certainly restructure Joey Bosa, you know, free up a little bit here and there if they wanted to, you know, change some of that into a, a signing bonus or a roster bonus or something like that. Um, but I, we just don't, we haven't really seen them do that. Like they don't, they don't necessarily need to. So like I said, I feel like if they're going to restructure somebody, it'd probably be a supporting player. Yeah, I agree. Just random. Cause it was sort of while we were uh, on the show, the saints and Panthers have made offers for Deshaun Watson. So keep an eye on that. Yeah. Um, Alex Silva, another super chat says I can see them using most of the cap on free agency and then do restructures for their draft money. Yeah, and I think also like the Derwin James contract is is going to add some money into that, you know, um, cap total too. So maybe the you know like Daniel Popper has tweeted out like his budgets for like in season stuff like that. Maybe because you know you are extending Derwin James down the road, you can kind of push that right now and then say, hey, like extending Derwin James is going to give us. I think it's three point five million dollars in cap space this year. Maybe that's kind of what we use for in-season budget as opposed to planning for that right now oh three and a half million okay i wasn't sure what the number was but that sounds i mean that pays for donald parham's tender and dennis kelly and odia bushi coming back so oh it's actually more it's uh oh. over the cap has it at 6.4 if they extend them hmm. so that's like that's like all that's like 100 of the in-season budget <laughs> nice that's that's yeah. perfect I don't think the Chargers have any of these contracts, but there's also those ones that become like easier to move off of, like June 1st or whatever it is. So that could also be a time where the Chargers play around with the salary cap a little bit. Um, but yeah, like to me, they could restructure Bosa if that really does give him 15 million more or whatever it is. Um, I'm not sure how that works exactly. But to me, don't restructure until you have to, uh, or you'll end up like the Saints right now. Yeah. With all those avoid money contracts. Um, so this is an interesting one, too. I did see this yesterday. Uh, apparently, Bobby Wagner, who is an L.A. native, is determined to play in L.A. Um, and I, I did see that uh, somebody went on. I can't remember which reporter went on a radio show in Seattle and said that he's expecting him to play in L.A. They did not specify Rams or Chargers. Um, Schultz has kind of indicated that the Chargers would be in on Bobby Wagner as well. Um, so there is at least some smoke between Bobby Wagner and the Chargers. What I've always said is that I feel like, I mean, depending on the contract that he's looking for, I, I just don't see the Vic Vangio tree really going out and valuing the linebacker position to the point of paying up for it in free agency. Certainly they've drafted players high like a Patrick Willis, like Roquan Smith. But they've never really gone out of their way to sign a big name free agent like this. So um, he might want to play in L.A. I could certainly see that being the Rams and kind, kind of sticking it to the Seahawks as that tweet he sent out on Friday afternoon was pretty damning for the Seattle Seahawks. So I could see him, you know, following the Richard Sherman pathway and signing with a division rival, this case, the, the Rams. 
Um, but I, I would be pretty surprised if he signs with the Chargers at this point. Yeah, I don't buy that he's going to sign with the Chargers. And I mean, if they're not going to keep Kaiser White, I suppose Bobby Wagner would be in upgrade. But like, like you said, I just don't see it happening with Telesco in his history, with Staley in his defense. Like, I just don't buy that. Same reasons I don't expect Kaiser White to be back, um, among other things. But I don't think Bobby Wagner. But him going to the Rams and sticking it to the Seahawks, could totally see that. Like, I know they similarly don't pay linebackers as well. But the ability to go to a contender, you know, a little bit of a lower cap hit, probably a little bit of a discount just to go to a contender and stick it to the Seahawks. I could totally see that happening. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of like the linebackers in general on this team, because we do expect Kaiser White to be gone. Um, and then I don't know what they're going to really do with Kenneth Murray. He's going to be linebacker one, I guess. Uh, sure. Well, we'll live with that. But it, it just feels like they're valuing the sorry, made a stinky on the show. Um, it feels like they're valuing the back end and they're valuing, you know, the defensive yeah. line a lot in free agency and the linebackers are just kind of like whatever happens, happens. If we can bring Kaiser back, I think that'd be cool. If you know, then we'll see what they want to do with Murray at that point. Um, but I just don't think they're gonna, you know, invest that into Bobby Wagner. I would guess that that's much more likely the rams at this point um but if bobby wagner wants to come here then yeah you can let kaiser white walk and then uh send kenneth murray to the cfl for a seventh round pick i don't care <laughs> yeah a lot of people were when uh the whole calvin ridley came down a lot i saw a lot of chargers fans being like hey kenneth murray was doing this too which uh that was a good joke on twitter but um you know i i, I like i've been saying i, I think brandon Staley wants to play more dime package i think he wants to get more defensive backs more speed onto the field and you know like derwin james playing as a dime linebacker like i think that is going to be super fun to watch of course you probably always have one linebacker on the field but um daniel popper did point out with me that the chargers still really believe in him like they think that he, he still has you know some valuable traits left and they think that they can develop him so you know, if that's their priority this offseason i wouldn't be surprised i would expect them to add some competition for Eamon Ogbongwamiga and Nick Neiman at some point. But, I mean, we were all really excited about the possibilities heading into last season of Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil. So, um, you know, unfortunately, Tranquil hasn't been able to stay on the field and Murray kind of has taken a big step back in his development. But, you know, I, I think that's probably what happens is you run those four back and then you draft, you know, somebody in like the fifth, sixth round to, to provide some competition. Yeah, that, that's that's like classic Telesco there. And I was I was going through the the number of draft picks that they have kept on new deals. And I was at some point I just got stunned when I realized that only yeah. two players on day two or day three have been kept by Tom Telesco on, on a new deal. It's just like it's crazy. So everything just points to like Bobby Wagner. No. And, and Kaiser White. No, I just think, like you said, they'll find a, a fourth round, fifth round linebacker that has a great RAS score and just, you know, make him the competition. Yeah, even for as top heavy as we talk about how this team is all the time, you remember that Tom Telesco's like never resigned any picks after day one, and you're like, oh, it it, it makes sense why this team is as top heavy as it is. Uh, we do have a super chat from Christian Hernandez who says Hicks or Cox, uh, who do you like better? Uh, I like Hicks better because I can't <laughs> say that I like I can't say I like him better, so I'll say that I like Hicks better. Just say Fletcher, man. I, I I like, like Fletcher. Fletcher. I I like Fletcher. I like I like Fletcher more as a player because you know I'm a homer. But I I do think Hicks is probably the smarter move. I would also lean Akeem Hicks as well, but I would not mind Fletcher Cox either. But I would lean Akeem Hicks. 
I, I, I'm the same way. I think Hakeem Hicks, there's there's too much smoke there um, based off of what we know. And I think he is a really productive player. Uh, if you missed the film breakdown that Tyler and Gavino did on Akeem Hicks, please go check that out. It's uh, very worthwhile, especially if they do sign him like we think they're going to. Um, so Tyler's point kind of leads me to where I want to go next here, which is pr- kind of predicting and laying out how we think this is going to go. And, and I want to start with some of the Chargers' own free agents. So um, thank you guys for the Super Chats, Frank and Torch LTK. Uh, we'll get to those in a second. So um, in, in terms of the Chargers' own free agents, Tyler, I, I think we'll start with you here because uh, you kind of got some confirmation over the weekend of, of how things are expected to go here. So obviously we've talked about Kaiser White. You don't necessarily have to go there. But Justin Jones is obviously an interesting one to me. And then it doesn't seem like a Chenna and Wosu is going to be back. I think that was kind of <laughs> yeah. uh, out the door once they traded for Khalil Mack. And then still like... When Uchenna tweeted out business is business, I saw everybody was like, why are we keeping Uchenna and Mosu? What the hell is Tom Telesco doing? It's like, <laughs> we traded for Khalil Mack, guys. Like, yeah. I like Uchenna and Mosu, but like, no, who cares? <laughs> like, Damn, I'll take Khalil Mack. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, no, that's he, probably a little uh, ruthless, he, he, but. He's going off, but he's right, though. Yeah, I, I like, it's Khalil Mack. Like, you, you know, you just don't have space for you know, a JC Jackson and also bringing back a, a very expensive edge rusher as to be the Khalil Max backup. So, mm-hmm. um, but I want to focus specifically on Justin Jones, you know, Scott Questenberry, Justin Jackson, these guys who are other free agents, Steven Anderson, of course, and, and kind of focusing on who we think is back or not. So uh, let's start with Justin Jones, Tyler, where do you think that kind of ends up happening? Uh, if we get back to Kaiser, White, I'll sort of explain why there, but I do think Justin Jones is now the like, favorite like to me now i i do think he if he's back he's back as your rotational like he's your christian covington i guess if you want to call it that like i think and that'd be fantastic like he hasn't shown the ability to stay on the field but he's definitely a good player high upside player they did draft him so you know i, I think that him coming back on a one-year deal is is about where they're going to go and i think obviously of the most white and and, and most is not back so of those three i wouldn't have guessed it but i guess justin jones to me has the best chance of being back yeah, I mean, I think Justin Jones makes a lot of sense to come back um, at this point. I hope for my own sake that he's back. can't imagine the Chargers without him, without the best Justin on the team. Uh, but I, I do think it'll be interesting. I don't know if he's like a top priority for them, and they're probably going to go after other DTs first, either you know, like an Akeem Hicks, like we've been talking about, uh, or Eddie Goldman, or whatever else they want to do um, in free agency in the market. So to me, that might be a question that's like answered on like, day three or four of free agency after they figure everything else out. I also don't think Justin Jones is going to have like the hottest market per se. Um, So yeah, to me, I do think he'll be back probably on like a one or two year kind of deal. But yeah, I don't think he's necessarily top priority for them. So I don't feel super confident either way. That could, that that one could go either way. Yeah. I feel kind of iffy about it. Daniel Popper has kind of said from the get go that he thinks Jones is back just because they don't really have, any other options, you know, he doesn't have a ton of faith in Braden Fahoko or Joe Gaziano, but I mean, the latter one, I don't either, but um, you know, I, I think right now the defensive depth chart is, is Jerry Tillery. So, you know, bringing Justin Jones back on a cheap deal, I think is makes a lot of sense. I do expect them to kind of let him see kind of where he's at around the league in terms of his market. And then, you know, if he doesn't get an offer from the Indianapolis Colts, then maybe he gets back. I don't know. 
Um, so that's an interesting one as well. I think the two that are, are most interesting to me, of course, are Ode Abushi and Steven Anderson in terms of the Chargers' internal free agents. I happen to think that both of those players will be back. We heard from Ode Abushi that he wants to stick around in Los Angeles. He wants to continue being a Charger. And I think there's some, just, I think there's a feeling of just like unfinished business between the two parties because he only played the four and a quarter games for the Chargers. And the four games that he played were outstanding. Like if you've been, uh, if you you follow Brandon Thorne, you've seen him kind of post some film clips of, of Ode's season and, like I think it was to the point where he could have been have could have had a better season than Matt Filer. Like as as crazy as that sounds, Ode was just playing at an outstanding level. So I think that Ode and Steven Anderson will be back. Like Tyler was saying last year, I don't think, or or, or like he was saying about last year, I don't think that would happen until later on in the week. Um, but I do think that Ode and Steven Anderson at least will be back. Yeah, I tend to agree there. They just seem like too like why why would you replace them with something potentially down like who's going to develop in a Steven Anderson's role so quickly as a veteran who's already in the role, who is so good at it. I think is probably one of the best in the league at his specific role. Like, why would you replace that? And then you yeah. you found that article with Joe Lombardi just raved about Steven Anderson that he's an irreplaceable player in their offense. And that's true. Like nobody else on the roster really can do what Steven Anderson uh, did last season, at least not yet. And Trey McKitty just seems like He's an inline tight end there. And yeah, Ode Abuji, when we asked him on the show, he just kind of like, he was sort of taking the whole interview seriously. Then we asked him, you could just see him kind of like get all happy yeah. <laughs> and chuckle a bit. And like, yeah, you know, there's been good communication. Like he wants to be back. There's no reason to not bring him back. Brendan Hymas is not a starter to them just yet. Um, so I think bringing Ode Abuji back at least for one more season is a, is a, is a no-brainer, slam dunk. Yeah, I think that both Abushi and Anderson are back. Um, and in a way, not that this world for the Chargers, but I, I guess Abushi getting hurt instead of getting that big contract potentially somewhere else after you know a really great season kind of worked in the Chargers' favor a little bit. Um, so I, I think he'll be back on a you know one year kind of deal, probably similar to what he signed last year. Maybe they give him a slight pay bump and go you know one year three million or something like that. Um, I think he was on like one year one and a half last year something yeah, like he that. signed for the vet minimum last year yeah so i think maybe they give him a little bit of a pay bump there uh and then yeah anderson is kind of one of those that i think could go either way but i do ultimately think they'll just tender him to keep him on the roster as well and then if you know down the road you draft a tight end or say they sign a zach Ertz or whatever you know you can kind of deal with that when it comes but he has a pretty cheap value anyway and if you do want to replace him eventually you could cut him during training camp or something yeah, and you know, Gabe Neighbors, I think they kind of expressed really how they feel about him when they <laughs> pivoted and handed that role to Steven Anderson. So yeah, um, I don't think that's necessarily gonna be somebody who sticks around this year. Right. But I'd love to have that uh roster flexibility last season and not have five tight ends essentially, but you know, it is what it is. Um okay, what do we make about the specialists? Because there hasn't been a ton of smoke. You know, Ty Long has not officially been tendered yet. Um, as opposed to Donald Parham and Jalen Guyton, who were tendered. Um, not Haven't gotten anything about Ty Long, who needs to be tendered, or Storm Norton. I know that he was he showed up on one of the CAP websites, but uh, there's been no reporting on Storm Norton or Ty Long. Uh, so specifically about the specialists, Alex, where do you land on Dustin Hopkins being back, Andre Roberts being back, and Ty Long, who, again, we haven't heard anything about yet. 
Yeah, I'll say Hopkins and uh, Ty Long are back. Uh, I don't think there's much standing in the way. I, I guess Hopkins could theoretically sign a contract with a new team, but I think the Chargers bring him back. Um, and then, yeah, w- with Ty Long, they're going to give him a competition this year and you know probably work him off the roster. But that's, again, one of those post-training camp things that they'll eventually figure out probably after the preseason in terms of who their punter is. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Andre Roberts is the one where I think it gets pretty dicey because I, I do think some teams will have some serious interest in him, another pro bowl season for him as a returner. And so I could just see a team wanting to overpay him, uh, maybe more than the chargers are. And we already talked about the connections to somebody like Cordell Patterson, even though that's probably looking like less and less of an option for the chargers as they decide to, you know, spend all this money on the defense, um, that is still a possibility. And so I, I think the Chargers have other offensive options they could probably go to before Andre Roberts. So that one, I think, is a little bit less decisive. Yeah, I think Dustin Hopkins seems to be the lock and the Chargers try to carry their kickers from from year to year if they can, even if they bring in competition and then you know somebody wins and they cut them later. I think they'll bring back Hopkins. Roberts, like you said, it, even just when it comes down to the money, do they, you know, maybe they have to make a cut somewhere and they have to... F- I mean, it would not surprise me if they wanted to find a way to get their fourth running back that they drafted on the field uh, to make give him some value and to be like, hey, look, he's he's worth something, like a KJ Hill, if you will. So I could see them going, you know what, Roundtree, you can do it, buddy. I believe in you. I'm just going to keep talking about Roundtree <laughs> to break Alex. Uh, if he smashes his glasses on the on the screen. Um, so I could see that. But like, I believe Ficken's there. Like, he wants to work with these guys. He wants them back. So I believe the yeah, Roberts and... Um, Holy crap. Hopkins are back. Long. If he's back, it's not for long. If he's back, great. Ha ha ha. If he's back, he'll be around for, you know, after the draft and then they'll probably get rid of him. So I didn't I just that, make that same joke like three episodes you did. ago. You, did, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. Star Wars. Like everything's just a, a poem or whatever. So <laughs> everything's just a poem or whatever. <laughs> whatever George Lucas said. Everything rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do think Hop. I do think Hopkins is back, like Tyler's saying. Like even Michael Badgley got a chance to return and, and have some competition. So I think that one happens. I, I'm a little unsure about Andre Roberts as well. Um, you know, I, I think you can find a good returner in the draft. You know, uh, Ficken has shown the ability to uh, develop the, a guy like that into into a big role. So we'll see there. Any other of the, the Chargers internal free agents that you guys thinks are are back? Any Scott Wessenberry uh, love out there? Yeah, I think so. That would be a, like, why would yeah. you want to spend a fifth on a guy where you could just bring him back for the vet minimum and you know he's a good backup? Like, that would be a surprising change right. if they didn't bring him back. I, I think all of those guys, after you get past like Justin Jones, really are probably just going to be back on the roster because, you know, no team's like, oh man, I could make Scott Wessenberry my starting center, right? So, like, he, he would right. be a backup everywhere else, too. So, it's not like he's competing for a role in that sense. So, it's not very expensive to bring him back, cheap depth, and good backup to Corey Lindsley. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's just how it's going to go, really, for all of those guys. I don't expect any of them to really go except potentially. Roberts like we've talked about yeah I, I can't imagine many teams out there trying to make Scott Questenberry their starter maybe maybe he wants to go to Miami to follow Frank Smith or something like that but uh no I can't really see any of that so I've, we've gotten a ton of questions uh both today and and previously about Brian Bulaga I promise you guys he is going to get cut like it does not make any sense for the Chargers to keep him whatsoever 
uh, especially you know if he is on the roster next year, they have to pay him thirteen million dollars, which is like good. That's like good offensive tackle money, and he's played twelve games in the last two years, if that. So the reasoning here is that they do not have to rush this. They do not have to uh, make anything official up until Wednesday is when they have to get under the cap. Every team has to get under the cap by Wednesday. Obviously the Chargers are already there, but they don't have to make this official by Wednesday. I assume they're probably like encouraging him to retire. Um, But Brian Balaga is not going to be on the roster next year. There is a roster bonus for him. I believe it's like March 15th or something like or not march 15th march 30th where he's due i think it's like 3.5 million dollars as a bonus and that would count against the cap obviously so um there there's just no reasoning for them keeping him it doesn't make any sense to do that he is going to get cut you know and free up 10.75 million dollars in doing so yeah i feel like yeah i think the chargers have always kind of taken it to the wire in these decisions too i mean not that they're really like thinking hard about it but they waited to the last minute to cut hayward last year um you know when we kind of all knew that was coming um and then previously it was uh thomas davis and brandon mubain the year that they pursued uh, brady a couple years back so that was like the day before they wanted to try to get brady but um you know so that's eh, they're gonna wait till the last minute but $11 $11 million is $11 million. I have no, I have no concern that he would con- potentially be back. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I think the like we were saying earlier, the, the next domino to fall is the cornerback position. And then they'll kind of see where things are at. You know, we didn't talk about the Lyle Collins thing. Again, I'd be pretty surprised there because Lyle Collins definitely will require a significant trade, uh, compensation for the Dallas Cowboys because he's really freaking good right tackle still very young um but you know I, I think once we get some clarity on the cornerback position where that's at like Tyler seems to think that it is JC Jackson um you know then we'll go from there and I expect Brian Blog Brian Blog to be cut by Tuesday at the latest not that he's all that much cheaper when he's cut but Schefter does seem to think that Dallas could release Collins if he's not traded um, but then that'll be a bidding war for a very good right tackle. So you're going to, yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be expensive regardless. Yeah. Lyle Collins would instantly become the best right tackle option available and probably the best offensive tackle besides Teron Armstead. So if Dallas does cut Lyle Collins, he's going for 18 million plus, like easily, easily 18 million plus because he is so good. There just aren't any good right tackles. It's like, the drop off between Collins and Morgan Moses or Riley Reef is like ginormous. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think it's also one of those situations too, where there's going to be teams that are more desperate than the chargers. Like for the most part, the chargers have fixed four out of the five spots on their offensive line, you know, in these last year, year and a half. Um, so to me, even though Norton's there still currently, uh, depending on whether they tender him or not, or he's still currently projected for that right tackle spot. I do think they'll ultimately end up signing somebody or, or drafting, taking someone in the draft, whatever it might be. Um, but I just think there's too many teams that are desperate for that offensive line help. Like, I don't see how the Bengals, for example, wouldn't outbid the Chargers for Lyle Collins if he's cut. Like, yeah. the, the, that to me just makes uh, too much sense. No, like, if I were a team like that, like the Bengals or like the Dolphins, that was just like clearly desperate for more quality offensive linemen, like, I'm trading for Collins. I'm not waiting for him to hit the market. Like I'm trading for him. 
and saving myself, you know, eight to nine million dollars a year. So I think that's where that's at. We'll see kind of how that plays out. Um, Yumney had a question. There was a report I saw about uh, the Chargers potentially passing on a defensive tackle and going offensive guard in the draft. We'll I'll save that one and we'll talk about that down the road because I do think it's an interesting strategy. I mean, I tweeted out a mock draft on Friday night with uh, Kenyon Green as the first round pick just to kind of, you know, get a feel for like different avenues that they could explore. But um, we'll save that discussion for uh, another time because we want to focus in on free agency. So who was the report from? Um, or like I site? Forget. Huh? Well, or like what site? Uh, his name is Mike Farrell. Mike Farrell. He's uh, well, he, he asked for the site. No, either way, I just don't know. His, <laughs> oh, his Twitter. He he works for Rivals.com apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh-huh. more credible than uh, fan sided's Matt Lombardo probably. Ouch! <laughs> uh, I didn't say it. Um, yeah, I said it. Come on, you can't tweet that bullshit and then they sign Khalil Mack. All right, you you're done. You're done after that. Uh, we did get this one earlier from Frank Blakely. I want to make sure we get yeah. to it because Frank's a big supporter. Uh, each person give their first choice for CB1. Jackson, Ward, Nelson, or 17th pick? Uh, Jackson, out of that list. I mean, I, I think it makes too much sense for the Chargers to pursue him at this point. Um, I wouldn't mind Traverius Ward. That'd be very good, too, you know, based on his age and, and kind of where he can go to in his game. But this defense really needs a cb1 for it to function the way that brandon staley wants it um i don't you know i do like the corners in this draft but i don't think you're going to get that impact guy year one when the chargers are in this contending window in a andrew booth or trent mcduffie uh mm-hmm. you know right now and to me steven nelson i like him but he's not a cb1 at this point uh and so yeah out of those options kind of has to be jackson in my opinion I'm depends like, yeah, Jackson is going to be more of the CB one, but I'd like Ward as a CB one D or something like maybe not an upper tier, like CB one, but like CB 1.75. I did the math. It checks out. Okay, Alex. Um, You know, I I just think if their intention is to win everything this year and it sort of is, but I think it's, it's over three different years. I, I would just kind of still want to add, more players and i think ward as a consolation prize would still be my preference but if it's jc jackson like that's fine by me yeah i I think jc jackson is clearly the best one right now i do think however that charvarius ward in terms of roster building like i think that would be my choice because i don't think he's going to cost the the kind of money that jc does and then you can get you know some more quality players and um, you know, I, I think Ward still has some developing left in him. I still think you can get some high end play from him, but JC Jackson is, is absolutely the best one there. So, um, all right, let's get into some, uh, external free agents. This has been a little bit longer than I would have uh, expected already. So, um, I want you guys, uh, we'll each pick three players that we think the chargers are going to sign. Um, you can include JC Jackson there if you want. Uh, but specifically three players that you think the Chargers are going to come away with next week. Uh, who wants to start? I'll, I'll go. I'll, okay. Alex Tyler can go. go. Tyler, t- nope. t- no, Tyler can go. Okay. Tyler, you go ahead. Okay. Um, I, If I had to guess between the two defensive tackles, I'll go with Akeem Hicks. I think that just makes a little bit too much sense at this point. But if it's Sebastian Joseph today, obviously that's fine. Um, I'm going to go with... <laughs> Kyle Rudolph as another one. I don't think they're. Gonna, it just if I'm going to find a random player 
like and try to do something different. I do think Kyle Rudolph with the connections to the coaching staff, their need for a veteran tight end, a guy who's like a middling tight end right now in terms of yak or yards after the catch, you know, per reception. I think they could go that route. I think Telesco wants to add some sort of veteran guy. So I wouldn't rule him out. Um, and then it would just not surprise me if Eddie Goldman joined the Chargers. I get these are wow, what names? Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Kyle <laughs> Rudolph. But to me, like Eddie Goldman was so bad last year in terms of run stop rate. Like if you look at the Chargers and the Bears and you line up all the defensive tackles, he was last among guys who actually played significant snaps. Um, right behind Jerry Tillery. That's quite um, an endorsement. What an endorsement. But <laughs> you know. Eric Banks, what did he have in the in the preseason? Like what? Zero pressures, two tackles, and they cut everyone for him because why? Brandon Silly wants to bring in his guys or guys he's familiar with. So I think Eddie Goldman coming in is definitely a possibility. Yeah, um, if I had to list three free agents, this is tough because I don't really feel super confident in any of them, but I'll uh all right i'll take the bullet i'll go with jc jackson i i do think it happens um and you know if i'm wrong i'm wrong but it does really feel like they do need that cb1 it could also be charvarius ward and i wouldn't mind that either but i it feels like there's a little too much smoke and like tyler said earlier in the show it just feels like it's more decisive this time in terms of what's out there um and then i'll go i'll go with eddie goldman as well uh i i do think they could go after hicks or goldman I think Eddie Goldman would be kind of like the slightly cheaper option probably between those two. So they might save a little bit there, then, you know, go through the draft or then pick up a Sebastian Joseph Day as opposed to an Akeem Hicks, um, depending on which one's kind of cheaper between those two. Uh, And then for my third one, I will go with another white tight end, but I will go with Zach Ertz. Uh, I I do think that it kind of ends up happening. He's got a little bit more left in the tank than uh, uh kyle rudolph who you know I, I don't know what he has left in the tank at this point um but i do think they were you know invested in him potentially last year to acquire him before they ended up signing jared cook and going in that direction so there is a little bit of familiarity there and i just feel like if there's one offensive position the chargers are willing to spend on free agency and there's not many after re-signing mike williams it's probably tight end and i'll go Ertz. yeah uh zach Ertz would be It'd be a fantastic signing, honestly. I know a lot of people are kind of out on him, but um, you know, I do think he would be obviously a little bit more expensive, and, that, and that's okay. Like, I think they have the space to do it. Um, shout out to Tyler's mom. Always appreciate the uh, super stickers. Um, I'm not going to predict that he's going to sign, but I want to ask you guys really quickly. Uh, Nick Cothrill on our interview mentioned Eric Ebron as a, a sleeper tight end name no. to keep an eye on. <laughs> that <laughs> no. was quick. No, nope. Drop, drops. It, it's it's just Jared Cook again. He's just bigger Jared Cook. <laughs> I'm not I'm not doing it again. Uh, Fair enough. I don't know yet. Let me see what he did. Ebron didn't have a great 2021 because he was behind Frymouth. Like they they signed him in 2020. I feel like he was okay in 2020. Um, but last year he was behind Frymouth, so he didn't really get much of anything. But it's the same problem. Like, he, he, yeah, he was on the Steelers with Surratt. Uh, maybe. I mean, offensive line coaches work with tight ends, man. Like, yeah, no, 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 totally, totally. I just don't know how look, much like Surratt's look, gonna. We, like. we could talk about we could talk about the offense he was in and, and all that, but what, however many years ago, God gave him those hands, and it's and been a problem he was in ever. Since. Where, he was drafted to Detroit when Lombardi was there. There you go. Okay. 
that's what I was looking for. Nice. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm pretty sure I ha- I'm, do. I have him on the composite rankings. I'm curious where the hell he clocked in. I, think I don't he think was, I did. I think he's a void year, so I don't know if he's technically a free agent yet, but he's going to be. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I don't have him on here yet. Um. <laughs> um. Everyone is sleeping on Cordero Patterson. Not on this show. We love Cordero Patterson. It's just that. Uh, Tyler mentions Cordell Patterson every show. Like, <laughs> it's my Utah. N- n- none of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's his it's Utah. It's his. Utah. It's his Sixers. He mentions it every show. Yeah. Um. All right. So I'm going to give my predictions here. I'm going to stay away from the cornerbacks because I feel like that's uh, kind of a layup at this point. I feel like Akeem Hicks also a layup. Um. So my prediction is going to start with Morgan Moses. Uh, that's somebody okay. that I think makes way too much sense you know it really is the most reliable and dependable option at right tackle that the chargers have available to them uh i do all due respect i don't really want to see what dennis kelly looks like as a starter i don't really want to draft a reach you know a bernard raymond at 17 because that's really you know where you'd have to take him obviously because you don't have a second round pick um, so Morgan Moses to me makes a lot of sense. He's, he, uh, played with Shane day in Washington when Shane day was an offensive line assistant there. He has a ton of scheme familiarity and I do think he's a quality stopgap option. Somebody like Arjun has said, uh, played a ton of games, uh, very durable. And I think that makes a lot of sense. So second one for me, I'm going to say that they figure out a way to get Hicks and Sebastian Joseph day. I like I think it. Joseph day is a no brainer to me in terms of a run stuffing nose tackle was on pace for a career season uh, this past season before he got hurt. And before Greg Gaines uh, really kind of supplanted him over the the stretch while, while day was hurt. So I think Moses and Sebastian Joseph day are, are two ones that make a lot of sense. And then <clears throat> my third one is going to be a running back. And I think my third one here. I've been conflicted on this a little bit because he does have some injury history, but the Chargers are going to have to go bargain bin shopping at some point. And I think when you get to that point, you want to sign players with at least starting level capabilities. So my third one, I'm going to go with Marlon Mack, the running back from the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously had the Achilles injury and then was replaced by uh, Jonathan Taylor. But once you get past like James Conner, Chase Edmonds, Cordero Patterson, I think there's really just a bunch of hot garbage on, on the free agency market. And last time we saw Marlon Mack be healthy, he was a thousand yard rusher. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I have to remind anybody what he did against the chargers in 2019. Um, well, so one. it's, it's really risky in terms of his health, but I'd rather, you know, see what you have in Marlon Mack than do another running back here with uh, Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree. So, uh, those are my three. I'm going with Mar- Morgan Moses, Sebastian Joseph Day, and Marlon Mack. Yeah, I like Marlon Mack. I mean, I, I don't remember the last time Tom Telesco brought over a Colts, former Colts player, um, but that used to be his MO. Uh, yeah. Eighth in yards after contact average, ninth in breakaway percentage, and number one in drop rate. But I, I assume that it's either zero pa- drop passes or one um, among the free agent running backs. So that's not bad. I can see that. Uh, why Newman really quickly with a super chat, any chance we get both Gilmore and JC Jackson? No, uh, zero. Yeah. It's, no. it's negative one. PFF one has Gilmore at, at a pretty low number, but you know, I feel like he is like the second most established and probably high end corner, even at his age. 
Uh, so I, I think Gilmore is going to get at least a good sized bag. Not maybe not as much as Jackson, but he's going to get a bag. Uh, yes, Joseph Day did get injured. He tore his pectoral injury, his pectoral muscle, like in game six or seven. Uh, but I mean, he's the youngest defensive tackle of everybody that we're talking about. Has this daily connection, so I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, so we have uh, gone over our time limit than we usually do. Um, we are going to go live uh, tomorrow night as well for the first night of free agency. Uh, we'll hopefully have some signings to discuss, and then, of course, we'll do Wednesday's episode as well, where we're still thinking about potentially doing Tuesday. will not be 9 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, a couple of us do have to go to work. It'll be tomorrow evening. Uh, but we'll let you guys know specifically what time. So, Alex, any final thoughts before we head out for the for the rest of the day? Uh, no final thoughts. Uh, I'm not going to say anything else that gets me into trouble and gets Brett to <laughs> put out clips on Twitter. Nice. Um, all right. I'm going to leave everyone who's here in our chat and you know watching us and enjoying the show. I'm going to leave you with some sadness. Here we go with Kaiser White. I just want to oh. quickly uh, wrap up this show with a big poop bow. So... For those who have been asking, like, why have you been off on Kaiser White? And just recap for the new subs, because we got like a thousand new subscribers over the last week, um, you know, new followers and all that. So what we know, Kenneth Murray dominated week, you know, week 18 snaps. Linebacker is not a priority position in this defense. Telesco has only kept two day two or day three players on a new deal. They want to upgrade to other positions. We know that. And as Daniel Popper pointed out, and as we kind of know, they believe in Murray, Neiman, Tranquil, Ogbump, Amiga, yada, yada. Uh, I think in February... We had reached out and known that literally that Kaiser White was expected to be a reach to return at this point. The person that we reached out to specifically cited money and Murray being a first rounder. So there are those things. Yesterday, I reached out again to the same person. uh, And again, the same thing. They think that White and Jones are both not back. So there's more about Kaiser White. After all that, I've been waiting a very long time to do it. I reached out to Kaiser White. And if you want to know what he said, here we go. I basically told him, I, you know, in so many words, I thanked him for his time and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, the responses I got were, it's been a pleasure playing for the Chargers. I wished him all the, and then I wished him, you know, all the best at his next destination, you know, that I hoped that his new contract would set him and his family up. He said, you know, you and me both, man, you know, I haven't even touched the surface yet. Trust me. And then I said, take it easy on the revenge games. And he basically said in so many words, never. So at that point... <laughs> Um, if I'm getting totally fleeced by this, uh, you know, and somebody or somebody's totally lying to me, maybe, but based on all the evidence and the source that we've reached out to that we've known, and I reached out again. And the fact that I just asked Kaiser white and he said, you know, been a pleasure. I uh, hope the new destination sets me up. I'm not going to take it easy on the revenge games. I, I think it's over guys. I, I really think it's over. Yeah. Uh, sorry for everyone watching, but there it is. So. Unfortunately, I do think Kaiser White is gone, and um, it's a bummer. It's going to be a huge bummer. It is going to be a huge bummer. I, I think, you know, this is, this past season for Kaiser White was honestly the best linebacker year that I've seen of any Chargers linebacker in my lifetime. I think maybe that one year of Donald Butler would probably be the only other choice. And then, of course, Donald Butler was one of the few uh, – extensions that we discussed that the Chargers didn't work out. Of course, he was drafted before Telesco, but um, yeah, man, Kaiser White, just the way that his rookie year started and everything that he went through with injuries and playing out of position. And then he finally gets his chance 
He's in a better system. And he just like completely shot out of a cannon this year and had a great season. Um, you know, it, everything that we're saying checks out, right? Like, you know, the, the charters just cycle through the linebacker position through the draft and, you know, Staley doesn't necessarily value linebackers this much. They have too many other needs. They have depth behind him. Whereas, you know, at edge, at corner, at defensive tackle, they have no depth, right? Like there's, there's nothing there. Um, so, you know, reaching out to Kaiser, I think was, was the final bow there. And I'm, I'm hoping it's not the AFC West, but obviously I hope for nothing but the best for Kaiser. Uh, he's been great in our interactions on Twitter and always retweeted the the clips that I would tweet of him on, on Twitter as well. So just a really great guy, really great player. Hopefully uh, he has a, a, a great season down the road. For I mean, he's, go, he's going he's going to the AFC South, you know, him and Wosu, all everyone going to the Colts <laughs> with Gus Bradley. I would hate that for Kaiser though, because Gus Bradley doesn't know how to use him. But yeah. yeah oh, Ky- Kaiser, uh, who who are the receivers in the AFC South? Let me let me think through this. He'll be put on whatever the fastest one is. <laughs> Brandon Cooks, probably. Oh, jeez, it's really not a great receiver decision division outside no. of the Titans, but. <laughs> no. Yeah, so I don't have any other final thoughts there. I, I think this is gonna be a f- this is gonna be a great week. I'm really excited to see how this pans out. Um, apparently, there's been some rumors that James Bradbury could be traded later today. So we'll see if that does happen. We might have to do an emergency pod later. Um, but yeah, I think this is gonna be a, a great week for the Chargers. They have a lot of cap space. Brian Blaga cut will help that and uh, fill a bunch of needs. So really excited about this. We'll see you guys tomorrow at some point. And uh, as always, bolt up.